0: Testing, one, two, three, four. Testing, one, two, three, four. Transcriber, this will be on a statement form. The name of the complainant in this case will be a James or Jimmy C. Hoff, put parentheses, deceased. The case number is 3198F79. person giving the statement will be last name Olison. and it's O-L-A-U-S-E-N. First name is John. Middle name is Steve and it's s-t-e-b-e-n. Male Caucasian date of birth is 5 15 Resident address, no fixed address, Reno area. Statement will be taken by Detectives Penegor and Taglia. The date is 27 June 1979. The starting time will be 1440 hours. Location is Reno Police Department detectives.
1: We were there for protection. That's the storyline John Stephen O'Lawson told police after he was arrested for the 1979 murder of undercover Reno police officer James Hoff. He and two others were waiting by the Truckee River in Reno past midnight and, along with a fourth man, took part in Hoff's killing. Here was O'Lawson about to give detectives a full telling of what happened on that fatal night.
0: Steve, would you just give me your full name and your age, please? My name's John Stephen Velasen. I'm 18 years old. Okay, so for the correction on this thing, uh, through conversation with you, you you use Steve as your first name. Yes. Now, you're given to birth name as John Stephen. Yes. Okay, so through the tape here, we'll refer to you as Steve. Yes. Okay, Steve, have you been advised of your rights under the law? Yes, I have okay you understand these rights thoroughly yes okay we're gonna go through them again at this point you have the right to remain silent anything you say can be used against you in a court of law and you have the right to present an attorney while you're being questioned now, if you cannot afford an attorney one will be appointed for you prior to any questioning if you so desire do you understand all of these thoroughly. yes no questions on your rights No.
1: I'm Bob Conrad and this is Solutions. two competing versions of what happened the night that Hoff was killed. With nearly 40 years since the incident, some in law enforcement and the district attorney's office in Washoe County want Hoff's killers to remain in prison to carry out their sentences. In the official version of events, Officer Hoff was undercover on a major drug bust. He was killed in the line of duty by the four young drug dealers. But there's also the perspective of those perpetrators and neither version of these events is entirely clean. Hoff had arranged the drug deal with then-20-year-old Edward Tom Wilson and at least one confidential informant. Wilson concocted the scenario with Lawson tagging along, but Wilson had also recruited two others, David Lonnie, age 16, and Fred Stites, 18. Each of the perpetrator's roles remains contested to this day. By most all accounts, Wilson was the ringleader, but the four were ultimately sentenced for Hoff's killing. In Nevada, participating in a crime, such as murder, means each participant can be held equally as culpable. A judge can exercise discretion in sentencing, but in the eyes of the law, the four young men were guilty for participating in Hoff's murder. In Steve Olason's mind, however, their actions were self-defense. Hoff had been portrayed as a bad dude, a heroin dealer who dealt drugs to kids. It was that portrayal that colored the adolescent's view of the deal, even when they also entertained the idea that Hoff could be an undercover cop. Here is O'Lawson speaking recently from prison about his statements to police just after the murder. He said when he talked with police in 1979, his statements were made under duress, even though this interview with police was given willingly.
2: There was no sleep. There was like, there was constant uh, uh, harassment. I had no sleep, so I, and there's no way that you could tell daytime from nighttime, except for when I was taking a polygraph test, and I could tell that it was daytime. But, because um, it was closer to a window or something, but I remember it was daytime. And then my folks came in, and then they came in, and they had a, uh, and they, I think they uh, visited the in where the polygraph test examination was done. But basically, where it was, I was saying that it was that we were not guilty, that they were self-defense, that, that the people that they had in the pictures were attacked by this guy, because so that's the way it was given to me. And I was told to say that it was self-defense because they explained that it was self-defense. What happened to him, right? But well, who told and so, you, who, who told
1: uh, you? Who told you to say it was self-defense?
2: My cousin said that this guy came after him with a gun and a flashlight, and that they were going to—he was going to kill Tom or something. Wilson.
1: Okay. So, okay.
2: And so, and so then they were attacked, and they said they were attacked, and then that was out. That. So that's what I was told. But I didn't have the vantage point of seeing what happened. I could hear things that sounded like it looked like they were attacked. The way they were responding—you know, he's got a gun and and he's and his cussing, kind of you know, mother if I'm gonna kill we kill you is what he was saying. So it just seemed like no one else was threatening to kill him or he? he was threatening to kill Jim Hoff was threatening to kill them, right? And so I assume they were
1: self In fact, O'Losson was in hiding when Hoff and Wilson arrived at the river. Olasson heard a fight start with threats made. Somebody was screaming about killing somebody else. Either way, the four youth had a plan. While Wilson was the ringleader, and at points during the fatal night he gave orders to the other three, the other three teens were armed when they arrived at the river. Their plan, although fatally stupid, was that they were going to the river as backup and protection for Wilson against Hoff. Olason told police at length his version of events.
0: Okay, you have approached us now at this point, am I correct, that you wish to make a statement? Yes. Now you wish to make a statement without attorney being present at this point? Yes. Okay. People present in the room are the two of us and your father? Yes. Okay, now you know what we're going to talk about and what we're going to go through on this. And everything is being given freely and willingly on your part. Yes. We have not forced or coerced you in any respect to give this statement. No. Wayne, you want to start?
3: The date we're concerned with, primarily, of course, is be Sunday night, which would be the 24th of June, 1979, and into the early morning hours of the 25th of June, 1979. But to preface this a little bit, what I'd like you to do is go back a few days—I don't know how many yet—you're going to tell me uh, to where you first met the officer known as to you as Jim. Okay, and what was what that entailed.
1: Tom Wilson spent considerable time with Hoff the night of the drug deal. Surveilling him were RPD officers who were supposed to maintain visual and audio contact with Hoff. An audio transmitter called a Kel Unit repeatedly failed. Wilson and Hoff, in Hoff's girlfriend's Z-28, drove a circuitous route through Reno away from the El Tavern Motel on 4th Street. Former police officer Gary Eubanks testified that he was following the two as they drove around Reno. Eubanks had been working narcotics with Hoff for 18 months. Their supervisor was Sergeant Rick Brown. Here's what Eubanks said at the time. Myself, Sergeant Brown, and Officer Douglas of the narcotics section surveilled Officer Hoff in a vehicle which was utilized for an undercover purpose to pick up a person at the Altavern Motel on West 4th Street in Reno. A person entered the vehicle with Officer Hoff. All of the officers were in communication by radio over a special frequency, which was only common to the officers on that surveillance, so there would be no interference by anyone else, and drove to the Idlewild Park area and returned back to the El Tavern after a very brief period of time. Eubanks also testified that the sellers had 10 ounces of cocaine that supposedly were stolen from an evidence locker in California. Tom Wilson's first name was known to Eubanks, and the cop was aware that Wilson had been in possession of marijuana in Hoff's presence. In 1979, this was a felony as harsh as being in possession of cocaine, a consequence to President Richard Nixon's war on drugs.
0: you want to join me here? Won't you be seated, please, ladies and gentlemen? Come on, Dr. Jaffe. And Mr. Krogh, Mr. Hurley. All right. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, I would like to summarize for you the meeting that I have just had with the bipartisan leaders, which began at 8 o'clock and was completed two hours later. I began the meeting by making this statement, which I think needs to be made to the nation. America's public enemy number one in the United States is drug abuse. In order to fight and defeat this enemy, it is necessary to wage a new all-out offensive. I have asked the Congress to provide the legislative authority and the funds to fuel this kind of an offensive.
1: Hoff had told Eubanks that only one person, Wilson, was going to be involved in the cocaine deal. RPD gathered $16,000 in cash, made photocopies of each bill, and put the money in a green bag imprinted with a cannabis leaf and the word STASH embroidered in all caps. Radio points were established near the motel, and surveillance began for a scheduled 11 p.m. meetup on the Sunday night of June 24th. The cops tested the KEL units to ensure that they were working, and at that time, they were. Eubanks testified that he only saw one person at the El Tavern with Hoff, It was Tom Wilson. Hoff picked up Wilson from the motel in the Z28 at about 10 minutes to midnight. They drove away, and police quickly lost contact with the two. When the Z28 headed to Idlewild Drive, Eubanks picked up surveillance again. The car stopped at the river for about 10 minutes. But then the Z28 doubled back east on Idlewild and back along the Booth Street Bridge and then back to the El Tavern. The stop back at the motel was just a few minutes— The car then headed to South Reno on Arlington Avenue. They stopped on Robin Hood Drive at Apartments near Virginia Lake for a few minutes. They then drove back to the Truckee River. Eubanks testified that during the driving, the audio transmitter was emitting a high-pitched squeal. It was 1.31 in the morning when Hoff and Wilson took a right-hand turn off of Idawild onto a dirt road at the river where Tracy Lane connects with Idawild Drive. What Hoff and his fellow officers did not know was that three others were already there hiding and waiting. Once they were all at the Truckee River, the exact nature of what happened over the course of the next 15 minutes is not 100% clear. This is due to faulty memories, the location being dark, and the perpetrators offering conflicting statements, in part because they could not see what the others were doing. What we do have is a Lawson statements to police in 1979. Who did what was thoroughly explored by detectives in interviews with a Lawson, clearly young and clearly confused, a Lawson told police everything that happened.
3: Now, we'll try to get into this a little bit, and you're going to have to help me with some of the background on this thing from this point on. The incident we're going to be discussing here involved a situation uh, of a narcotics purchase of some sort. What I'd like you to do is just go back to the point where this was originally planned. All right, I'm just going to let you go ahead and talk from this point on. Uh, tell me how the thing was set up to go, who was involved in it. And just. What was supposed to occur, okay? Alright, uh, it was
4: supposed to occur in, at, uh, 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 where's that red? Orange?
3: Or, where, where the, where, the, where, the, where the, it's by that park. Oh, well Drive is I'd that what you're wild talking wild. About. Okay. Alright, there's a, there's a pump uh, house. Uh, okay, you're talking about the actual incident itself at this point, correct? What I'd like to know, about, so we can kind of keep this in sequence here, is, uh, and I'll try to help you out with some questions here, was it, was there an arrangement made between either you, Tom, Fred, and Dave, and Officer Hoff to sell or purchase some narcotics? And Tom arranged it. Tom arranged this with Officer Hoff or Jim Hoff. Okay, you know him as just as Jim, right, I gather. Through this whole thing. Yeah. Okay. All right. Who planned the deal, as far as the narcotics portion was concerned? Tom. Tom did. Okay. Tell me a little bit about that. How is this supposed to go? Uh, Tom is supposed to
4: sell Officer Hoff uh
3: ten ounces of cocaine for $16,000. Okay, this was, was the deal that was supposed to go down? Yes. Right. Did Was there, in fact, 10 ounces of cocaine? No. Right. Were you using a substitute powder or something yes. that looked like cocaine? Baking soda to uh, find out if Officer Hoff was really in a uh, policeman. All right. Now, when you say that the plan was to sell Jim uh, 10 ounces of cocaine, Yes. All right. Yeah. Actually, the, pardon me. Safely to do it safely. All right. Uh, but actually, the intent was to sell him 10 ounces of baking powder. No, he was going to be sold anything. If if he tried to arrest us with
4: baking soda, then we knew that he wasn't uh, narcotics officer. All right.
3: Okay. What was the What was the plan supposed to be as far as the transaction? To get the money and exchange the dope or the pe- baking powder. All right. And Tom was supposed to come
4: with with uh, Jim and go down and uh,
3: get it and uh, had it hidden and everything yeah. okay now the dope was supposed to be hidden someplace over by the river or what? yeah and uh, so they went down to get it All Right. wait a minute don't, don't tell me what happened I want to know first what the plan was what the arrangement was Oh, Between they were supposed to go down and and get the the package and then go back up to the car and pick up the money at that point. Um, yes. Right. Okay. Now you've only mentioned at this point Jim and Tom as being involved in this arrangement. Yes. Right. Uh, you, Fred, and Dave. If I understand this correctly, we're also at the location where the exchange was supposed to take place. Correct? Yes. All right. Now, if the, it was supposed to be a straight deal between Tom and Jim, why were you other three in the area? To uh, protect Tom. Uh, Tom said that uh,
4: that Jim was in into murder and uh, um, was uh, a pusher, and he pushed heroin uh, to. Anybody
3: that, that would buy it and started people, no matter what age. How did uh, Tom and Jim first get together that evening? Um, how did they get to know each other? No, how did they get together that night? I don't know. Tom worked that out. We were just going to be there to protect him. Okay. Do you know what time Tom and Jim got together to start things off? They met at 3 o'clock that day. At 3 o'clock early. in the afternoon? Yeah. Right. Okay, now they uh, got together again that night, correct? Yes. All right. Do you know what time? Um, uh,
4: they were supposed uh-huh. to meet at 12. We weren't there. We were
3: when they where? Met. We were We weren't uh, at the motel when right. they were supposed to meet. They met at the motel sometime around midnight? Yeah. Where were you at, at that time? We were at the, at the, at the, park. Huh. You were already at the park at that time that they, they met? Um, yeah. All right, now think hard. Are you sure you were already at the park when they met, or were you still at the motel? We went there about an hour before. Before they met? Yes. Okay. What route did you take you uh-huh. went from the motel over to the park? Just some back ways. Okay, did you cross the river at any time on the way over there? Yeah, on, on a bridge. Okay, you went over a bridge? Yeah, the closest bridge. Okay, The one that leads right down into the park there. Yeah. Then we walk. all right, you walked. All three of you walked over from the motel to the area where the deal was supposed to take place? Yes. Okay. Where did you go when you got to the area? Uh, I went underneath a plank. At the pump house?
4: Yeah. And Troy wouldn't be seen. And uh, David Hid on the on on one side
3: of the plank and and, and uh, Fred was on the other side. Okay, now you're talking about a plank with a board or something. Yeah, it ran it ran down to a, a door. Would you would you just could you describe this as a
0: ramp kind of type drop there.
4: and stuff all around through here. And the came up like this in dirt and there was like a hill right here. The pump house came down and there was debris and stuff all around here.
1: While waiting for Wilson and Hoff, Lonnie, Stites, and Olasen were hiding under a plank near an old pump house by the river.
3: Hey, what happened after they arrived there? Um, they walked down,
4: and uh, I don't know exactly where the package was. Uh, you know, Fred put it back down there. I'm sorry, whatever. Fred Fred put the package where it was supposed to be at. They don't know exactly where it was. So I remember the package just gave it to me, oh. and I said, "I don't know where I don't know where it goes." So Fred put it put it where it was supposed to go. So I was under here. And, uh, I couldn't see anything but in front of me, you know, and it was dark. The, uh, so they walked onto the plank, and they got the package, and, Did uh... Did you see where they went exactly to pick know, out the package? This this is all blocked off right here. Okay, was it somewhere... And then there was a plaque on top of me, and
3: all I could see was straight ahead, and I was back in there. Okay, so it was somewhere off to the side of you, though, then, yeah, apparently it wasn't right in front of you, in other words? No, it was right. It came on a plank right in here. On the pump house? On top of the pump house? Hmm. I guess. No, this, see, here. here's the plank. All right. And, and the pump house comes like this, you know, has a top. Right, okay. And it comes... All right, so you're out on, on the planks out here is where they came to? Yeah. All right. And, and uh, yeah. they got the package,
4: and uh, Tom showed them the package, I guess, well he had to the officer was seeing it and uh I started walking out I heard kind of a cry from David and uh then I heard the officer scream I'm gonna kill you what do you mean kind of a cry from David like I don't know like a, like kind of like a surprise you know you know like a shock did you just yell or did he say something I just heard kind of like a whimper, kinda. Of. Oh. And uh, I then I, I heard the heard the officer, the officer scream, "I'm gonna kill you," and I froze. I was just under I was underneath her, and I didn't I didn't want to move. And then uh, there was all sorts of fighting and stuff. And uh, the officer was saying, uh, "I'm gonna kill you." And proceeded to fight Tom. Okay, could you see the fight going on? No, at I, that was, point? I was there under here. All I could, all I heard was, you know, that. I was there and, and I didn't want to move. And then, uh, uh, I heard, uh, Tom screaming for help. And,
3: uh, what was he saying at that time? Uh, I can't remember. Well, he said he was screaming for help. Was he yelling, help me, or was he just screaming? He was was saying, uh... um,
4: I think he said help, and then, uh... They were were still fighting, and, uh... Then they came down here, and... uh, we were going down the road, and Tom said he has a an knife. And, uh, um, and I came out, and, uh, um, at that time, Fred was standing right here, and these two were right here, and... When you say these two, you're talking about Tom? And Tom and, uh, him. And I came out
0: up, up here,
1: Olawson insists to this day that he never stabbed Hoff, but he did admit to punching Hoff with a closed buck knife in his fist. After he punched Hoff, he opened the blade of the knife. Hoff was on the ground, struggling and wounded. Olawson then told him to shut up. Hoff, in return, knocked the knife out of his hand.
4: Yeah, the officer, or not, not one time did he say he was a police officer, you know, to, to let us know. Or to let anybody know, you know, that you know he was an officer of the law. And when I came out, uh, Tom was bleeding underneath the chin, and uh, um, he was bleeding off of his forehead. You could see that in the dark. Huh? You could see that in the dark, there. Yeah. I was, by this time I was close enough to to see. I could see, you know, dark, dark spots. Uh, the officer was bleeding.
3: And, uh, what do you mean the officer was bleeding? He was bleeding. From where? Um, down in this area. The lower chest. To, the back. to the back and to the chest. There's, I'm not sure, there was a lot of blood. Okay. You started to indicate something with your hand raised in the air and it stopped. Mm-hmm. What were you gonna tell me there? Uh, he had a knife underneath
4: uh, Tom's jaw. What kind of knife? Uh, butcher knife. Used in restaurants. Very big butcher knife. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And uh, then Tom was yelling, you know, stab him. Stab him. Because he was trying to stab. Him. He was trying to, you know, kill Tom. I guess. And Tom was trying to push him away. He's keeping his chin up. And uh, uh, I took the uh, knife out of my back pocket. What kind of knife is it? It was uh, a, a buck knife. Mm-hmm. Yeah. About how big is it? Um, I can't remember. It's a medium size. It's a it's a bigger one. <clears throat> Color handle. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's a buck. It's got it's got brass uh-huh. tips like this.
3: That? Okay. All right, what did you do? I took the knife out of your pocket. Um, I <coughs> uh, had it in this hand. Your right hand?
4: You're indicating your right hand there? Yeah. And... uh. I punched him in the side where there was a hole with the knife. What do you mean, where there was a hole? In the side. There was a a gap in his side that I see. A hole, a wound? Yeah. Okay. And, uh, um, but, uh, I was kind of in shock about what was going on, and I I didn't open up the blade of the knife. And, uh, then, uh, Tom said, you know, stab him, stab him, you know. And, uh, I couldn't, I just, I stood back, you know. And apparently, I didn't see Fred do it, but Tom said he stabbed him about three or four times. With what? With a butcher knife. Same,
3: one of the same kinds that he uses in work. Okay. Was now at the time you say you didn't you said you didn't see Fred stab him. No. Stab Jim. Was Jim still holding the knife up against Tom's throat at this time? Uh or was or was I was just I was just Yeah. Uh
4: it's kinda like it's I'd say like a state of shock kinda. I didn't really know what was going on. Yeah. I just kinda Looking down at the ground, maybe. I'm not sure,
3: because I can't remember. I can't remember if I was looking down at the ground. Or I, you know. Okay, let's back up here for a minute. How many knives did you guys take over there with you? Three. Three knives? Yes. You had the buck knife? Yes. Who had the big butcher knife? Uh, they were both the same size, I think. Okay, well, you, there's two butcher knives then? About the yes. same size? Who had those? My friend David. Each one had a, a butcher knife? Mm-hmm. Okay. Was that... Uh, Tom carrying any kind of knife, do you not? No. Right. Okay, what happened at that point then? You said you did, you said you didn't actually see Fred do any stabbing. Correct? Yeah. Did no. you or didn't you? I didn't see it. I was just Okay, what did you think. next see then? Um
4: The gym started uh saying help oh, like that. So I guess he realized that he was dying, and uh, and uh, so Tom said, "Stop, you know, because it was you know the damage was done, I guess, and you know he was on. The anybody came down and we would have got a manslaughter, and uh, that's when I opened up the blade of the knife, and uh, I go, shut up, like that." Yes, yes. Was he still standing there at this point? No, he was on, he was, he was sitting down. And, uh, but I, I, I didn't do anything. And, uh, uh, he grabbed, uh, my hand and, and knocked a knife out of my hand. Jim did. And then, uh, yeah, Jim did? Yes. And he was moving around really fast. What do you mean moving around really fast? Like turning and stuff trying to get away.
3: Yeah.
4: Because Tom had a hold of him. Because, you know, first, then my knife was gone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the blade was open on it by then. And, uh...
2: Then, uh...
1: Lawson later looked for the buck knife but couldn't find it. He then helped Wilson put Hoff's body in the back of the Z 28. Solutions is produced by me, Bob Conrad. The aim of this podcast is to investigate complex problems and to seek solutions for them. In this season two, we are investigating the 1979 case of the killing of Reno police officer, James Hoff. Thank you to Samuel Sheridan and Darcy Leonardson for their reporting and research assistance. Season two was produced with generous support from the Impact Designated Investigative Grant Program from the Ethics and Excellence in Journalism Foundation. And the local independent online news publisher's professional organization, of which we are a member.